Welcome to the City Church Podcast, your home for all of the audio and sermons from City Church St. Petersburg. We meet every week at 10 a.m. at the Sundial AMC Movie Theater, 151 2nd Avenue North in beautiful downtown St. Petersburg, Florida. Tropicana Field uh, were presented to the city. There were seven different firms that are vying for the chance uh, to develop the 86 acres. Dollars for a stadium, if we were being nice. But as the, the plans for that sort of worked themselves out, as they started to come up, one of the big questions surrounding what is going to happen with the 86 acres that Tropicana Field, its supporting buildings and its partly occupy, before it was a parking lot in a stadium, it was a neighborhood called Gas Plant Neighborhood. And that neighborhood was, was raised in order to build that stadium. So what should be done? What is, what is going on with that? How should that play a part in it? And this tension that is sort of felt in even something as simple as what are we going to do with this giant parking lot is also something that we've felt in so many of our conversations. You cannot have lived the past year and not felt the weight of conversations that have to do with things like discrimination, things like race, things like what James calls partiality. And so because this is a significant and heavy topic, I'm going to change up the way that I normally do things. I'm not going to wait quite as long to read the scripture that we're going to focus on this morning. I want to do that right now. Archer reading from James chapter 2. James said this, My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say to him, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down at my feet. Have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers, God has not, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him. But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich, the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? If you really fulfill the royal law, according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. For he who said, do not commit murder, or adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but do murder, you have become to the one who has shown no mercy. But mercy triumphs over judgment. City Church, this is the word of God written nearly 2,000 years ago and intended for us this morning. You may be seated. Two thousand years ago, partiality and discrimination were a problem. In 2021, partiality and discrimination 
are a problem. There are problems, insurrection, the whatever word you choose to use for what happened on the 6th of January happened in the Capitol. We saw people carrying flags of white supremacy. We saw symbols and signs and slogans of hate. But it's not just a problem for our country, it's a problem for the church. Because mixed in with those signs, those flags, those slogans, were the signs and symbols of Christianity, which should have nothing to do with one another, as James is clear about. But this isn't just a problem for the church. This is a problem for our, and that it was the the Presbyterian church that was the driving religious factor in the Confederacy. We have been wrong and sinful in this, but this isn't just a problem for our family of churches. This is a problem for our city. Our city has a checkered past when it comes to race. That's a small pun because of the division between black and white. Our city has a legacy of green benches that were for whites only. Our city even now is one of the most racially divided cities in the country. Our redlining is some of the strongest in the country. And we were the home to significant race riots uh, just over 35 years ago. But this isn't just a problem for our city. This is a problem for our church. If I ask myself the question, have we done all that we can as a church to bridge these gaps, to, to heal these divides? My answer is no, we haven't. But this isn't just a problem for the church and our church, problem for you and I. Because this is something going on in our heart out and convict us of. We can see this at work in our hearts as well. And what happens is it's very easy to look at the stuff at the top of this list and go, that's bad. Stop that. But it's harder to let this sink down all the way into our own hearts where this magnifying glass of even this passage gets turned on my heart. Because all of us should find ourselves called out by this passage. Because all of us that we show, any partiality that we show to any group or person, whether based on race or class or gender, any of that that we show takes glory away from God and gives it to the person that we are partial towards, to the group that we are partial towards. And that's where James starts. James starts by pointing out that all of this is rooted in the fact that God is the one who is full of glory, that all of our glory is due to him, not to one another. In fact, Jesus said in John, how can you glorify when you are busy running around trying to glorify one another? And he roots all of this in who Jesus is, Jesus, the Lord of glory. And all partiality is taking away from that. When James uses this word partiality, it's kind of funny because we don't use that word very much anymore. Even, even as I was typing it over and over this week, it, it doesn't feel right on the fingers. It's just not, not a word that we use that much But what James is doing is something that's very common for James. James is very clearly uh, somebody who knew his old very well. 
He knew what the Old Testament said. And so this word partiality is actually a Greek word that was sort of stolen or face, that you're averting your eyes, that you are withholding your smile. And it's interesting because this is the sort of opposite of what we again and again see in the Old Testament. What does the, the blessing that we sometimes end our service with from Deuteronomy say? The Lord lift up his countenance on you. That's the opposite of partiality. It's averting your gaze. It's looking down. It's withholding your smile. Partiality is what God never shows. It's what the psalmist says. God is not partial in his judgments. God does not turn his face away from again and again through the Old Testament, we have this image of God lifting up. Partiality is the opposite. It's when we are not seeing or refusing to see someone. It is when we are choosing not to look. It's when we're choosing to look away. It's when we look with disgust. And James illustrates this pretty clearly. He says, what happens if you're at church and two people walk in? And one of them is very clearly a moneyed person. He has a gold ring, the symbol of the equestrian class. He clearly has a golf membership. And the other guy walks in and James says that the, the poor man is in shabby clothing. And shabby doesn't quite even cover it because the idea of shabby is that the clothes aren't just worn, but they are smelly. How do we treat these two people? Fellowship with one another. In, in verse four, he says, have you, not, uh, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves? Because what's interesting is when we show partiality to someone, even someone outside of our community, it damages the relationships inside of our community. Because if I see someone being discriminated. If I see someone showing partiality, averting their gaze or shunning someone outside the community, my natural reaction is, oh no, will I be next? Oh no, what would I do to get that same casting down of face from this person? But he says, it's not only destroying our fellowship, it is evil to show partiality, to take glory away from Jesus and give it to someone else is, James says, categorically evil. Now listen, we live in St. Petersburg and it is not a hot take in St. Petersburg to say that racism and white supremacy are bad. And that, that is not even a warm take in our city. Because we, in general, agree on that. The culture and the Bible agree on that. But there is a departure that comes after that. Because the question and what the Bible gets at that's a little bit different than the way our culture looks at things like that is that the Bible allows for the possibility of change. The Bible allows for the possibility of forgiveness. The Bible allows for reconciliation. And how this diverges is in this question. If and when somebody were to say something racist, it's possible reconciliation. Is there possible forgiveness for that person? The Bible categorically says yes, but our culture does not always say so. The, the Bible says that the good news is that people with every sort of sin can find forgiveness 
and Jesus. And we actually see this lived out through the story of the Bibles. Think of those that were discriminatory, whether over race or income or position. We have like Jonah, who refused to go to Nineveh because of how bad he hated Ninevites. We have stories of Zacchaeus, who extraordinarily cleansing not just Israel of Christians, but had papers to go do the same in Syria. We have an entire book of the Bible, Philemon, written to a slaveholder about how he was treating his slave. In the Bible, there is the opportunity for forgiveness, not excusing, not saying none of this matters, not saying it's, it's just fine, everything's fine, but there is possibility of reconciliation. I'm afraid in our culture, one of the things that we've lost, especially in this discussion, is the ability to find forgiveness. In our culture, we are quick to cancel. We are quick to say that you are no longer allowed to have a voice because of something you said, no matter what repentance takes place in your life, no matter what change of mind you have. And in a place where there is no forgiveness is a hell of a place to live. And after James lays this out, he calls them brothers twice in this text as he addresses them. This is not something that the church does not struggle with. This sin exists here. Why? Why? Why does, why does partiality exist? Even in our hearts, even in our church. Because partiality always promises us something that it can't deliver. Partiality always promises to give us something and it never actually follows through. Look at the way that James contrasts the rich and the poor. He says, the poor are the ones who are rich in faith. The rich are the ones who drag you into court. The rich are the ones who blaspheme Jesus' holy name. What's he doing here? What's going on with this? What he's showing is that often our partiality is rooted in our selfishness. It's rooted in the kind of people that we choose to give attention to, the kind of friendships we choose to engage in, because oftentimes, more often than we care to admit, we want friendships that move us up the ladder. We want friendships that progress, whether that's corporately, athletically, socially, financially. We want to gain something. So we invite it into that lifestyle. I'll become a boat person right? I want to be a boat person. So I'll start hanging out with boat people. And then maybe one day I'll be a boat person where we say, whatever sort of that next step, that next achievement in your life is, maybe these are the kind of people that'll look really good on my life. Maybe these are the kind of people that know the right people to make introductions in my life. We've surround ourselves in our career and make us better professionals. Yes. Are they the kind of friends to ask us to genuinely confess our sins, to point out what's really going on in our hearts? Eh, I don't like those friends so much. But the ones that can help me advance. So who do we focus on? Who do we spend our time with? I, our priority goes to those which selfless, selfishly benefit us. And when we do that, it's partiality. And it never works out. 
It never gives us what they want. And it exists. Show partiality and don't give your time to those lower station than you. Create a cast system of your friends and a call list. Who do I want to hang out with? Here's the A list, the people that can really help me. And the B list and the C list. And then the, gosh, I'm really bored and I just need a human list. And we laugh, but how many of us work out our Friday night in that way? How many of us make invitations to our dinner table? How many of us do that? But he says, if you want to grow, you're rich in faith. Who is that? The poor. We cannot keep treating our friendships as means to consider becoming the chaplain for the Tampa Bay Rays. And I was really excited. I mean, in so many ways, that is my dream job. But as I started to talk to them, I began to ask myself some questions. Why am I doing this? It would cost City Church 13 Sundays, 25% of the year for me to go do this. Why do I want to do this? And the answer, if I'm being honest, the answer is I wanted clout and I wanted, fun, and I wanted money. I wanted the clout to be able to low-key say, hey, you want to know where the Rays go? You want to know, you want to know where the players and wives like hang out? City church. Yeah, that's me. Right? I wanted the money. Look, you get like half a tithe check from some of those dudes. And our question of where are we going to meet as a church long-term solved. Our question of how do we staff our church appropriately is solved. What I want is selfish. All of my excitement was because of the clout, the power, and gain that I could get. It was self. is also the way that we are sinfully selective in who we spend our time with. Me too. And that sort of partiality, that sort of selectiveness is exactly what James points out. He says, if you if you do the royal law, if you really do love your neighbor as yourself, but show partiality, you are guilty of the whole law, all of it. And it's easy for us to think, it's easy for us to become self-righteous in this way. I do a really good job on the idea of, of racial reconciliation. I do a really good job on the idea of understanding the nuance of poverty and how it affects people. I am really understanding of how mental health plays into our society as a whole. I'm really good at fill in the thing that you're good at and that you understand well. But if you say that and if you do that and then turn around and actively, you are guilty of the whole thing. You cannot say, well, yeah, I'm a lawbreaker. You might be the most thoughtful person on race and poverty and healing divides. But then if you turn around and are sinfully selective in the way that you spend your time with people, you are just as guilty. If we welcome some sins and condemn some others, we are far from the gospel. Who do you spend time with? Someone who can help you? Someone who gives you a better place or no? Somebody who makes you feel good? 
Or do you hang out with people who are hard to hang out with? Do you intentionally make relationships where there are cultural differences that you have to fight through in order to have a friendship? Do all of your friends have the same place in life as you, whether that is age or station? Think, think about your social calendar. Just run through it for a second in your mind. Do you see and feel the conviction of partiality in your life? Because I do. It is easy to say that racism is bad. It is easy to condemn white supremacy as evil, but it is hard to search our hearts. It is hard to search our hearts for what is wrong. Because we've all been guilty in one way or another of partiality. And that's where mercy comes in. Why James ends this passage with mercy. Because if we want to grow in our impartiality from, this is not performative. This is not so other people can see how good we are, but rather it is humble and quiet and unseen, just like much of the work of Jesus himself. Jesus, who took the merciless judgment that you and I deserve. He took that on himself on the cross. And then because he has paid for our sin, because he has washed us clean by his blood, because he rose again from the dead, he, with his smile, lifts his face up towards us in his great mercy. The way that we grow is by in genuine Christian impartiality is day by day, hour by hour, reflecting on the way that he has loved and shown mercy to us. It's not by waking up and trying harder, seeing the welcome that Jesus shows sinners like you and me. Who Paul says this this week, he said, the most important question we must ask as it relates to racial justice and cross-cultural love is not, what must I do? The most important question we must ask in these matters is, who must I become? Focus on the becoming, then the real deal. Focus on becoming the real deal, then the do question clarifies itself. Church, the way that we become is by being in awe of the good news of the gospel. The way that we become people who don't show partiality, the way that we become that is by our deep, deep reflection on the gospel and the application of that gospel to our lives and to our city. The way that we become is by repenting of our racial prejudice, repenting of our political discrimination, repenting of our personal partiality in our friendship. So let us find the mercy of God fresh and anew and more abundant than we could ever possibly imagine. And as we become this sort of people, may we become people shaped by grace and a part of healing. This is something we believe significantly at City Church. And in fact, it's something that we've been thinking and talking about 
uh, for a little while. And we've, we've formed a committee to sort of think through these questions and help create resources, action for us together as a church. If that's something that you're passionate about, I want to connect folks who are, who are a part of this. It's also something that we're planning in real tangible ways. Things like our summer reading are going to be centered around, as James says, so speak and so act as those who are overwhelmed by mercy. And as we are overwhelmed by mercy, may we overflow with mercy for others without partiality. Let's pray.